Welcome to the Fixing Broken Buildings podcast, where we talk about finding the how to fix your buildings now. I'm your host, Dimitri Livas, and today I want to talk to you about the aluminium panel cladding crisis that's gripping the construction industry and that's sending shockwaves amongst property owners everywhere, right? Around the building industry, building industry participants, insurers, regulators, and a whole bunch of other people. Now, you'll remember the fire that tragically claimed the lives of 72 people in Grenfell Tower in London back in 2017, right? Well, that horrifying fire became globally infamous, not just for its like tragic outcome, but for the fact that it exposed a serious product design oversight in the building industry that's been known about, but has been ignored for decades. And it's gonna have global repercussions for probably decades to come. Now, I'm talking of course about aluminium composite panel cladding, right? You know, it's otherwise known as ACP. Now it's a dangerous, highly flammable product, which has been used in the construction industry for over 60 years. So what is ACP and why is it so dangerous? And how is it that such a dangerous product has been allowed to permeate the building industry and slip through totally unnoticed by both manufacturers and regulators to create this crisis that we now see in front of us. Well, essentially, ACP, it's a prefabricated cladding board that covers, protects, and weatherproofs the outside of the building. You know, from high-rise apartments to commercial and public office spaces, all the way to low-rise residential homes. Now, ACP consists of a layer of polythylene, right? And that's a type of plastic that's sandwiched between two aluminium sheets, right? Now, it was first developed about 50 years ago. It was patented in 1971, and then it was marketed as a product called a Leucabond. Now, when that patent expired in 1991, other manufacturers entered the market and the floodgates opened. So now we have over 200 manufacturers worldwide that are manufacturing this product. And its appeal to architects, designers, and consumers is grounded by basically three qualities. First of all, its aesthetic appeal. It looks good, right? This shiny aluminum exterior adds that attractive sheen that we've all come to associate with modern, well-designed high-rise buildings. Now, secondly, is its versatility. And what makes polythylene so versatile lies in the variety of ways that you can manipulate the molecular structure to create different types of plastic for different applications, right? So for example, low density polythylene is manufactured so that the molecular chain easily breaks off into smaller chains. And that makes the plastic flexible. You see what I'm saying? You following me on that? And that's exactly the type of plastic that you see wrapped around your food at the supermarket. Now, high density polythylene, you know, on the other hand, has its molecular chains more sort of tightly packed, so they don't break easily. And that gives you the opposite quality. That gives you rigidity, it gives you strength. And that's exactly what you're looking for when it comes to construction. Now, finally, and the third quality of ACP, right, probably goes without saying, it's more cost effective, it's cheaper. Ironically, however, it's these very same qualities that make ACP such a dangerous product to have surrounding the very buildings that so many of us either live in or work in. 
You see, the first problem lies in the eternal plastic core of the cladding, the polythylene itself. Polythylene is highly combustible. Now, let me give you an idea of, you know, just how combustible it is, right? This material engineers use to figure, you know, to assess the material's combustibility, there's this thing called the combustibility ratio. Now, to put it simply, the ratio is determined by dividing the amount of heat that's released from the burning material by the amount of heat that's required to start it in the first place. Now, the higher that figure, the more combustible the material it is, right? So, you with me so far? Let's look at an example, right? So an example is a, you know, a common material used in construction like wood. Say red oak, for example, right? Red oak's got a combustibility ratio of three. The combustibility ratio of high density polythylene is 25. That means it produces 25 times more heat than it took for the material to set it alight in the first place. So the stuff's clearly a high fire risk. But it gets worse, right? A fire that starts in the ACP of a building, once it gets going, has this amazing capacity to spread in like all directions. So first, when it burns, the inner plastic core melts and that drips down the side of the building, spreading the fire vertically downward. Second, the aluminium exterior, because it's an excellent conductor of heat, preheats the surrounding layer of plastic and then it allows the fire to spread horizontally. Now third, because there's often a slight gap between the cladding and the building's internal core, that creates this chimney effect, right? And so in this chimney effect, you've got oxygen that's added to the fire, causing it to quickly spread like vertically upward. So you can see where I'm going with this, right? Once a fire starts in ACP, it's like a bushfire sweeping through a dry forest. That's why the Grenfell disaster managed to spread from the fourth floor up to the 23rd floor within 30 minutes of the first fire truck coming on site. So, the big questions, right? The big questions now are how widespread is this issue and how could the industry not have seen this coming? Well, at the moment, the answers to both those questions are sort of still unfolding, but recent building audits by state governments here in Australia and worldwide have exposed a litany of manufacturing and regulatory shortcomings that the industry is only just starting to grapple with in terms of their scope and their significance. In short, Phil Dwyer, the national president of the Builders Collective of Australia, says that in his four decades as a builder, he's never seen anything as serious as this. And that we're in a situation now where the industry is just falling apart. So that's a pretty dire assessment, right? And well, the facts on the ground pretty much back up his comments. First, in addition to the Grenfell fire over the past 11 years, there've been at least 15 other fires in high-rise apartment buildings in places as widespread as the United Arab Emirates, Azerbaijan, Russia, France, China, South Korea, and the USA, as well as the fire that ravaged the NEO 200 building right here in Melbourne early in 2019. We also know that hundreds of residential buildings have been rated as either moderate or high risk by the New South Wales and the South Australian and Victorian governments. Now, over 350 buildings in Melbourne alone are rated as high risk. And the really frightening news is that the NEO 200 fire, which you know could have so easily been a massive catastrophe, right? 
was regarded as only a moderate risk. And it's not only high-rise complexes that are in danger. Flammable cladding has also been found on residential properties and low-rise properties as well. So you can see where I'm going, right? This is a huge problem. And the finger of blame is just pointing in like all directions at the moment. Some argue it's the relaxation of, you know, the regulations set by the Building Code of Australia during the 1990s that let ACP sort of slip into, you know, standard use in the first place. They say that's to blame. Others argue that manufacturers are ultimately responsible for creating non-compliant products to begin with. Now, others lay the finger and, you know, point the blame on developers for opting for products that are cheap, but in the end pose a risk and a threat to the lives and the safety of the occupants of the buildings that they construct. You see, the federal government says it's a matter for the states to fix. It's their problem. And the states hit back saying that the federal government isn't doing its bit to help out. Now, where the blame lies for this crisis is still unfolding, right? And it's a matter of controversy. What's uncontroversial is the fact that this issue is gonna cost billions of dollars to fix. In Victoria alone, where about 500 buildings need rectification work to be done to make them safe, the government has earmarked $600 of taxpayer, like $600 million of taxpayers' dollars to address the problem. But consumers uh, advocate Anne Patton from the Victorian Building Action Group said that the $600 million funding package wouldn't come even close to fixing the state's cladding issues. She told ABC Radio Melbourne that the real cost was likely to be in the many, many, many billions of dollars. So in short, in short, this emerging problem is both dangerous to live with and costly to fix. And while everyone in the industry is trying to shirk responsibility for it, you can be guaranteed that we're seeing and what we're seeing right now is just the tip of the iceberg, right? This issue is gonna be played out in the industry for like a long time yet to come. So stay tuned for further updates. It's gonna be really interesting to see how the industry and all the stakeholders come together to fix this serious problem and to get things right. Because ultimately, it's the lives and the safety of the public that's central to getting this issue sorted out and fixed as soon as possible. In the meantime, if you think you're building or a building that you have responsibility over may have issues, do the right thing, get it assessed. And if problems surface, then get them remediated and get them remediated right by a team that you can trust to do the job, to do it well, to do it on time and to do it on budget. This is Dimitri Livas with another Fixing Broken Buildings podcast, always reminding you that fixing broken buildings is easy with the right teams. Take care.